Hi there, and welcome to the Raise Your Words cooking segment. Today's menu is banana nut muffin. If you're looking for a fun treat to eat during the day or for something for breakfast, stay tuned. So for ingredients, you need bananas, butter, eggs, flour, sugar, cinnamon, baking powder, walnuts, and lastly, sun-dried cranberries. We also have a vegan version of this recipe as well. More information about it is on the Instagram page. Now, after getting familiar with the ingredients we're going to use, let's get to baking. First step, preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Second step, in your bowl, get two overripe smashed bananas. Next step, get one teaspoon of melted butter. Second step, crack two eggs. Next step, get one cup one-third of flour. Next step, get two-third cups of sugar. Next step, get one-fourth cup of baking soda. Next step, one teaspoon of cinnamon. Next step, one-fourth crushed walnuts. And then lastly, one-fourth sun-dried cranberries. Now you get all those ingredients, mix it all together, and make sure to get a pan. Make sure to spray it with baking soda. If you don't have baking soda, olive oil also is a good alternative. And then pour your ingredients into the pan. And once your oven is prepared, put it in for 45 minutes. And after the 45 minutes, take it out and then let it cool for 10 minutes. And then there you go. Now you have it. You have banana nut muffin. So thank you for joining me. And I hope your foodie endeavors get a little more tastier. Bye now. See you next time. Hi, my name is Imani. And my name's Andrea. And you're listening to Raise Your Words. All right. So hi, Lorena, and welcome to Raise Your Words. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Can you please give us a brief like introduction for our listeners who might not know who you are? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, right. I'm Lorena. Um, I graduated from the College of New Jersey in 2019, which is where I met Amani, which is awesome. Um, and I majored in music education, minored in psych, and now I'm a music teacher. Um, and I'm also, in addition to that, back in school for music therapy. So that's the general synopsis of what I'm doing. That's amazing. Oh yeah. So what was your favorite like concert performance at TCNJ? Because you are also a violinist and you play, I think, a couple of instruments, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So I um, majored in violin, um, minored in viola. Um, I did also play flute for concert band and I also play like guitar and piano and some other things. Um, but yeah, main thing was violin. Um, my favorite, I thought about this. My favorite performance probably was, um, and this is going to sound corny, but I'll explain. Um, I think it was my senior recital. And the reason why was because um, that is almost like comparable to like a senior thesis or like an internship. It's like something that you spend, that's like the culmination of all, everything that you've done from the start to when you like, graduate. Um, and I definitely had to co- overcome, like, a lot um, of just, like, things in terms of, like, not being as advanced as some of my peers. I also had performance anxiety all throughout college. So, and that was the first performance where I actually felt, like, comfortable and, like, I can do this and was really proud of it. So, yeah, probably my senior recital. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I was there for when you did one of your, like, rehearsal recitals, and it was really right. good. That was an Thank amazing you. performance. <laughs> Anyway, so you were also a griffin at TCNJ, which is actually how we met, because you were friends with my griffin, 
And what was one of your favorite memories? Or can you talk a little bit about what being a Griffin was like for you as a transfer student? And I know you mentioned that you didn't have a Griffin when you were a trans, like th that program didn't exist. So maybe like talk a little bit about what it means to be that person for somebody else. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you guys have defined what a Griffin is before, um, but a Griffin basically is just like, and Amani, I know that you know, um, it's just like a um, another student who's like a mentor for transfer students, like their first semester, and that mentor was a transfer student themselves. So um, yeah, I didn't have a Griffin, like you said, when I like transferred. Um, so definitely it was really awesome to be able to be like the person that I wish that I had when I came in. Because I remember transferring and I literally like moved in two days for classes and then started class and knew absolutely zero about how the school worked, where everything was, how to sign up for classes, how to get credits to transfer, because we know that that's what we're worried about. Um, meeting people was difficult. So I remember the pro that process was super stressful and it definitely was nice to be that person that I wish that I had. But then at the same time, it was a little bit. I almost had like imposter syndrome a little bit because I felt that like I was still learning things about the school myself. So it was, it definitely felt weird to be like, am I even in, am I even helpful? Like, am I being helpful for students? Which I'm glad that I'm on a unit. I still talk. So it's like, okay, it was great. Uh, but yeah, it was really awesome to be that person that I wish that I had, but I definitely had imposter syndrome through like the entire thing, which I don't know if I ever shared that with you. Because it's funny talking to people that I met through that program, and they were like, wow, you were so confident. I was like, oh, I was. <laughs> I always thought you were very, like, like you knew your, what you were doing kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like people who are that way, we're just all better at hiding how <laughs> lost we are. Oh, exactly. It, it, that, that's the thing, too, is I feel like, I've met people like the people who tend to be like the calmest or like very bubbly they tend to they tend to hide it the most yeah, because it makes sense right like when you're especially when you're young in college and right like you're still trying to figure out not only who you are but like what to major in well, of course you're gonna fake being like yeah I'm I'm, I'm I've totally have everything under control right but I think slowly as like Gen Z and everybody you know the new generation we're slowly talking about like hey things are not really okay and you know, plus you got memes, which are great. Cause I remember I, I could not go through a list of college for worse for like memes of just like, doesn't memes check bank account, doesn't check yeah. it out. We right. actually have a TCNJ memes account. Like somebody oh. in our school made it. And yeah, it, it's a very it's a wild, it's, it, it's wild. It's a great, very honest. Yeah, honestly, if any prospective TCNJ students are like listening to this for whatever reason, I recommend checking out that page because it'll tell you a lot more than anyone else will tell you about the school. That as well. And <laughs> that brings me to the next question, which is what were some of the challenges that you faced while being a music teacher during COVID? Like, where to start? That's, I love this question, but it's a massive question. So there were quite a few, but if I had to pick the biggest couple of things that I had to navigate. So the first thing being, and I feel like this is not unique to the district that I'm in, 
So I'm, I teach in Trenton, New Jersey. Um, and for a little bit of context, you know, and again, this is not unique to Trenton, but um, we have to navigate situations like uh, not all of our students had like stable home environment, stable home environments. Most of them do, which is great, but um, you know, there was definitely some students that we were worried about in that respect. Not all the kids had internet access, and of course, with remote learning, you have to have internet access. Um, we had a lot of, you know, technical issues with like families only had like one or two devices split between like seven or eight children. So making sure that everyone that needed devices had devices. So there was like a technology aspect and then the home environment, number one. Um, and then number two was, um, again, not unique to my population of people, but like teachers were kind of thrust into like uncharted territory in certain terms of like education um, because no one's ever taught remote before. Um, and then for me being a music teacher, my entire curricula changed because um, especially my fourth graders, um, they're all playing the violin at the school that I'm at. Like that's what I do, that's the curricula in fourth grade, but they all use school instruments. And then when we were sent home for remote learning, none of them had access to their instruments and there was no way of like getting that to them. So I kind of was left with, you know, not only trying to figure out teaching during a pandemic and teaching remotely, but then having to rewrite my entire curricula um, on the spot from March until um, the end of the year. And uh, my school actually is still remote. So I've had to do that again in like this school year, starting from back in August to now. So that was also like a big hurdle of trying to figure out like, how do I teach music to my kids in a way that's like meaningful for them? when I kind of have I've been cut off at the knees because the like literally everything I would be doing with them is not possible right now. So a lot of what we've been doing, which actually I started doing this um, the end of May, right around when the murder of George Floyd happened. Um, I was, was like, we're just going to do not only music history, but like uh, black music history. And that's actually been like the majority of what I've been doing with them. Um, and that's actually been something that's come out of the pandemic. It's been like really cool. Um, of being able to kind of explore that with them because that's something that's not generally taught in schools, which is wrong. But um, that's been actually like a really cool opportunity. But yeah, those were some of the biggest like challenges with teaching music online because, uh, you know, COVID is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And then like, that's so great that you were able to incorporate like a whole new type of like music for them to learn and everything. How long did it take you to learn that type of, like to learn black history music and everything? This is a really good question. Um, so I was actually kind of learning it on the spot like with them. So, which was cool in the sense of we get to kind of go through that learning process like together. It wasn't like me like imparting information on the students. It was like we all got to like learn it together, which was really cool. But then at the same time, I think that that also like speaks to like an, an inequity in the way that like music is taught at the collegiate level because I had this real that's this realization because this is something that I knew like well before, but it was interesting to really sit and think about it. Like, why was this not taught in you know music? And it, this is not even unique to DCNJ in like almost every single like music education major, or even like music major, regardless of what type of music, um, music from like uh, black composers, um, composers of color are not really taught 
in Western uh, music schools, which is messed up because that's like part of music history. Like you can't, you know, you really shouldn't be excluding that. So it was kind of cool to go through that learning process with them, but it definitely made me frustrated because I'm like, this should be included in, you know, music education. So like now going into this year, I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to be the one to include it for them. So I don't know. Uh, it was like a double-edged sword a little bit. That's, yeah, I mean, that's amazing that you, like, you're learning alongside of them. I find that like sometimes that's the best way to learn it, too, is when you have to teach somebody else. And then that brings us to the next one, which is, so we let all of our guests pick their episode titles, especially for our career episodes. And so you, if you got the opportunity to pick your episode title, what would it be? Like, what would you name it? I thought about this. <laughs> and the best that I could come up with, probably, and it's okay to laugh at this. Like, that's totally fine. Um, unprecedented. <laughs> because of just like the way that my career has panned out thus far with like COVID and everything so probably unprecedented <laughs> I like that <laughs> I feel like that describes 2020 2021 very well 100%. the unprecedented journey of teaching music how about that yeah yes. thank That's, you yeah that is perfect <laughs> welcome there with which can jump into also my next question, not an um, interesting odd uh, segue, um, which is how long have you been playing like violin and the other instruments that you have played? Because I think it is impressive to like play one instrument alone, but learning several, I think is something that's very admirable and extremely accomplished. So what, what, how long have you been playing uh, the instruments that you've been playing so far? Um. Thank you. I appreciate that. So violin consistently for like 15 years. Um, and then the others are varying lengths because I started them at different times. So like guitar, probably about 10, but I'm self-taught though. So I'm not as good as 10 years down, but <laughs> so guitar 10, piano about the same, flute only about like three years, maybe ukulele also like three or four years um viola um it's kind of weird to answer the viola because it's like a different instrument but it's very similar to the violin so viola technically only like four years but it's very similar to the violin so it wasn't, wasn't that hard to pick up um am i forgetting any like i also well, play the I'm trombone like... <laughs> i also play the the ukulele you know i also play uh bass you know you, you make your well, own man. band you know like those well, youtubers funny. from like back in the day that plays five instruments on like a youtube video honestly Same. like that's been like the, the fun part about quarantine is that like i've been like doing very very basic like um audio recording stuff on my computer like with just like garage band or whatever so being able to like play a bunch of stuff and put it together and be like wow i did all of that <laughs> That's I, that's a good time, I think. Actually, funny enough, I, I remember, yeah, I think it was around roughly, I think, this time. Uh, I was listening to interviews. I forget the name of the artist, but hopefully I'll find it through my phone. Um, and several about, you know, being in quarantine and, you know, uh, hearing, you know, their thoughts on it because, you know, some were, you know, of course, sad because they couldn't perform. But I'm mentioning this, there's a point. And the other being that they have time to make music, you know, in their comfort of their home. Uh, it was a Taylor Swift recorded, like, 
was a 95% of her stuff at home. So I, I think it's a cool. whole album today as and well. And she just dropped the <laughs> album, right? Exactly. And I haven't listened to it yet, but I heard it like lost people's world. It's <laughs> amazing. I already have a couple of favorite songs, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great so, album. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like waiting until I have time to like cry because I heard it's like a, one of those albums you want to cry listening to. And I'm like, all right, I need to wait until I have the time to like ugly cry and like not feel bad about it before I listen to it. <laughs> it it's very nostalgic, which is great because like she initially recorded all of those songs back in 2008 and to hear them all again. And she's now in her 30s. That was it's crazy. Yeah. Oh God, that's wild. <laughs> or her speech it, for like woman of the year from like I believe 2018 or 19 was absolutely like phenomenal. Just just oh hearing gosh. about because I remember back when we were like teenagers, like it was like a cool thing to always like bag on Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. It just makes you think of like, oh my God, like you look back and just how embarrassing it was, or like the media literally were uh trash talking her and pushing her like dehumanizing her just because she was writing songs about boys, right? And I'm just like, oh my, and like, oh, she has so many boyfriends. And, you know, again, she mentioned yeah. in her speech of like, I'm a teenage girl, right. okay, I have to, you know, so it's interesting how far we've come in music and how far we slowly, like, like the political sphere now where like women are, so we're getting there, but just getting properly recognized and just slowly breaking down those like sexist, um, uh, dehumanizing things of like, oh, this girl has too many boyfriends, let's not, you shouldn't do that but you know if, if another male artist does it yeah go for it's it write, write that right. album boo boo you know so it's like huh 100%. So- I recently listened I'm like 100 I'm so late on this but I recently downloaded her song the man um mm-hmm. I know I'm like I'm super late to the party but um like I, I was listening to it the other day but like really intentionally listening to it um and yeah the concept of like the double standard of like if a woman does something um you know, she's seen as one type of way, but then if a man does the exact same thing, it's viewed as, like, fine, um, and I know, like, thinking back, I'm, like, I know I have moments in my life where that's been the case, and I'm sure that, like, you both also have the same thing, um, and how it's just, like, wow, that's become so normalized, even we probably participated in that, like, the criticism of Taylor Swift, like, to other women, and then now I think about that as, like, an adult woman, and I'm, like, wow, why would I ever participate in, like, putting another woman down, you know, but that's something that's been, like, normalized, I think, for us, which is like wild. So no, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I, I mean, for me and Amani, we missed the boat. Cause like Amani was a big fan for me. It was just more, I mean, I've been unfortunate where I've, I've had positive female influences growing up and males as well, teaching me sort of like, you know, by, by positive meaning of like, I I've met males and females in my life growing up that broke uh, stereotypes. So when I remember growing up and hearing like Justin Bieber's like, Oh, he sounds like a girl and he's gay. And then it's like, oh, Taylor Swift just writes all these boys. I just sat back at like 13 or 14. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like the internet's scary. Like I was just watching like cat videos and dog videos, man. So like when I heard this, it was just like, oh my goodness. But I just, I didn't understand why. I just thought like, why, why would they trash on her? Like she's like, what's going on? And then like you get older, it's like, then I'm like, oh my God, that is sexist. So like, for me, it's like, I didn't join it. I knew people who did like, cause again, it was the cool thing. I just was sort of the person where like, um, you know, where you're a teenager and you want to fit in and like, you don't agree what people are doing, but you just kind of sit back in silence. I was kind of like that. I'm just like, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I'm just like, I'll just sit back rather. Yeah. Cause like it's just more, and then it's more, I didn't understand what's going on, but I just didn't knew, okay, something isn't right, but you know, it's, 
I think that's just situation of it. But again, happy she's more recognized. And I guess the point I'm trying to hit home was, um, yeah, just her interview is phenomenal. Like if you want like a power up, listen to watch her, um, her, her like award speech for woman of mm. the year. It's really good. I, I think it's phenomenal. I'm happy she's, again, getting more recognized and being more um, taken seriously, especially in the field. And I mean, the funny thing yeah, is she made a point, right? Like um, right. she said, like, cause she came, she was an upcoming artist and then all of a sudden she got hate, right? For all these sexist things. And, and then she mentioned in her, uh, in her speech, same things happening to Billie Eilish as well. Um, sex is undertones minus it, but just more of like any new female upcoming artist will always get like, trash you know so like it's just always I think just people fear new young artists especially women and it just it's just sad it keeps repeating the cycle but hopefully we'll get better at it you know which comes to my next <laughs> question or odd segue again um when did you start your love for music so again you know you've played again admirable playing several instruments and also recording on garage band as well which is a very hard thing to do although it's fun you know, recording and editing music is, is a challenge in itself. So, and also with it, a, a passion. So what made you start to, you know, pick up a new instrument and go on GarageBand to like make some cool funky tunes? Um, so um, I always have a hard time answering this question because, um, love this question. I have always had a hard time answering it because I feel like for me, like, um, participating in music in some way was always like very natural for me um you know I was always like really interested like in just like listening to music I like had to have music on like all the time when I was like a young child and then when I actually like started learning like an instrument like I had taken piano lessons a little bit when I was a kid um had stopped picked up the violin and then picked the piano back up um and once I kind of got to a point where I was able to actually like play music versus like just learning notes for the first time um it was cool to be like wow I can actually like participate in music and like making music with people which was really cool um so um I don't know so like in terms of like being like a small kid before I played instruments like what kind of like um made me interested in it I don't know I just like had always felt connected to music as a kid and then once I actually started to be able to play music um I liked being able to make music with other people because I feel like music is something that like and I know that sounds really corny and tacky, but it's true. Like music, I think does bring people together though. Um, like you think about like, you know, music is passed down through like cultural generations. So like, for example, like um, my mom's side of the family is Hispanic and like Latin music is something that like is, you know, passed down through like family members. Um, it brings communities together. Um, it can bring people from different communities or cultures together, which is really cool. Um, and uh, in terms of like learning other instruments, because, I was, like, formally taught on um, viola, violin, and piano, but, like, everything else I was self-taught on, so, like, flute, guitar, ukulele, all that good stuff, I was, I taught myself, and what was fun about that was it almost felt like a puzzle, you know, if you ever, like, done one of those, like, thousand-piece puzzles or whatever, like, you know enough to, like, figure it out, and, like, that's what it felt like for me, where, like, learning a new instrument, like, just, like, felt like another puzzle or something, which, you know, sounds, like, really weird, but um, I liked the challenge of, like, the, the cognitive challenge of, like, taking what I already knew and, like, applying it to something, like, different. So I almost kind of liken it to, you know, if you speak English and you want to learn Spanish, you know enough about, like, you know, the alphabet and, like, generally, generally speaking, how letters uh, sound to kind of figure it out. Um, you might, like, 
make mistakes along the way, but you, you know enough to kind of like teach yourself. Um, so I really liked that aspect of it. Um, and then once I got to the point where I was able to figure out like some very, very basic, like very basic recording, it's not good at all, but like very basic recording stuff. Um, it was also really cool just to be able to um, do almost like another layer. Of, like I have all the tools that I need to be able to um, record something and put it out into the universe. So let me like try it and see how it goes. Um, so yeah, it was like a lot of fun, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I think that's awesome. I, I think also like a fun thing too is just, you just like it, right? You know, just something where like, I think when you're younger, it's like, oh, this is just something I'm just weirdly obsessed with. And then it just turns into a weird hobby and you're just like, oh, wow. And then it connects with you. I agree with it too. It's same thing with like my, my love for food. I am not a foodie, but it's the same with music as well. It's just something that can bring people together from different walks of life and cultures and ethnicities and races and just come together to just share each other's company and experiences and again just bring people together and not only learn from one another but really bond with one another right in the teaching teaching field so with that as well when did also you start your love for teaching music right because it's it's one thing when, when we love something but being able to share that love and passion and instruct it to others is also a, a very monumental thing as well so when did you start your love for teaching music this is also something that I think was developed over time because actually um, I hadn't always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I actually have, had always wanted to do either performance or music therapy. Um, and the reason why I ended up majoring in music education and becoming a teacher was because if I wanted to do, well, there's two reasons actually. The first reason being like, if I wanted to do anything music therapy related, um, it was important for me to be able to um, explain things uh, quickly, but in a way that made sense. And that was something that I was able to practice being a music education major. Um, but then also like um, teaching, I think teaching concepts and teaching music, kind of like Imani said earlier, makes you inherently better at that thing. And it doesn't have to be music, it can be like anything. Um, but I think that in college, when I started to do like practical placements or um, anything that related to like um, working with kids, um, I found that I vibed with kids a lot better than I thought I did. Um, and it actually ended up being like a ton of fun. So I think that was something that, um, like in college, like developed over time. Um, and yeah, so that was something that I think, um, just developed over the past like, couple of years. So I don't think there was like one specific thing that like started my love for music. It was kind of just like, I went into majoring in music education for certain reasons. Um, and then found like so much more rewarding things once I actually started doing it. Hopefully that made sense. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. It's like one thing trickles to another thing to another thing. And it's just like, oh, okay. And then you just, you go for that opportunity. So yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. You, I gotcha. Um, you. And then I, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, another question I have for you as well is um, on your recent Instagram post, uh, uh, you gave your students like a Google doc to leave a message for you. Uh, I want to ask, you know, how much did it impact, how much, how much of an impact did your students' messages leave for you? Because I saw like a list of it and it was very sweet. So I, I, again, like you said too, it's like a very rewarding thing. You know, you're, I think with, it's like a, it's like a 50, 50, right? You, you learn not only your, your, the students are learning from you, but you're also learning from them as well. And it's a, it's a given back. It's like a back and forth. So 
you know, with it, you know, in the, the Google Docs that you send out to your students, how much of those messages really impact you, you know, did, you know, in a good way? Did you feel like, oh, man, you know, I feel like I'm kind of making a difference here in these students' eyes. Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, so, yeah, actually, I pull up the Google Docs because I want to remind myself of some of the things that they said. Um, and, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, like, um, I learn just as much, if not more, from my kids than my kids learn from me, um, especially being, like, seeing as last year as my first year and, like, your first year of teaching, especially if you're, like, classroom teaching. No, I take it back. Not especially. Your first year of teaching period is always like, notoriously the most difficult because you're kind of learning to grapple with all of the things that you, like, don't learn in whatever program, program you're in. Um, so I think something I was pleasantly surprised at was a lot of the kids that left me messages were kids that I didn't expect to be leaving me off messages. Um, if I'm just being totally truthful, um, you know, like classroom management was like not something I was good at last year. And I feel like this year I'm definitely a lot better at it from naturally having experience. But um, I was not good at it last year. And I definitely said things, did things that I'm 100% not proud of, but I learned from it. Um, but even those, those, um, in those situations, like, um, kids that I know that I messed up with, like, oh, I shouldn't have spoken to that kid that way. Oh, I really should have handled that situation differently. Um, were the same kids that left me messages, which was like super interesting. Um, like I have one student who, uh, literally wrote, I will miss you very much through all the ups and downs. You've always tried your best with me and I want you to know I love you and I hope you read this. Um, that is so sweet. I know. I like literally cried when I read it because like that was a kid that, again, I did not expect her to leave a message because I know there's a lot of situations where I was like, man, I need to apologize to her because I didn't handle that right or I should have handled that differently. So I think I was um, like pleasantly surprised um, at, not surprised, that's not the right word, but um, like the impact that it had on me was being reminded about how like gracious and forgiving and loving children are. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And I think a lot that we as, as adults can learn from that, if that makes any sense. No, great. It, it's just, I think, because when you get older, we, the older we get, the more we kind of stay in our ways. Because when you're younger, you're, you're a little more open to being like, okay, maybe you should try this. and Maybe I shouldn't do this. And as you get older, it just slowly gets narrower. And you're like, I'm not going to change. This is who I am, right? And which is a very negative yeah. way of thinking, rather like, no, maybe the thing I have, maybe I should work on. Maybe I should see this in a different perspective to not only grow mentally, but just, I, I think, connect more with people as well, right? You know, so, you know, don't be that guy that's like, nah, I'm not going to have Pepsi because everyone loves Coke. And it's like, maybe, maybe you should try it out, you know? I know you like it and it's your ways, but maybe, maybe you should try it. You know, there's lemon too. You could put, you can put some like uh, other stuff in there, you know, you have sugar cane. It's great. So uh, I think you kind of, you kind of really, you dived in also, I think to my other question, I think you partially answered, which is um, where were the, where were some things you learned about yourself since you were teaching uh, for your first year uh, being like a music teacher? Um, so my first year of teaching was just super difficult with, you know, COVID, just navigating first year teacher stuff. Um, we had some changes in administration and staffing changes my first year. So there was just a lot that happened in my first year. Um, mm -hmm. So I think some of the things that I learned was, um, yeah, again, just getting better at classroom management, which I know is something that, like, is a textbook thing that, like, people definitely get better at. But I think that, like, going through that process of, like, okay, like, now I have 
more tools in my tool belt, like of actual life experiences of being able to get better in that area. Um, I've also learned, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess how to pick my battles in the sense of like, I feel like being like a first year, even like now as a second year teacher, like there's, I feel like internalized pressure to want to be the best teacher you can be, which is not, inter which is not inherently bad. And that's a very good thing to want to do. But then sometimes that comes out in um, overworking yourself or um, working well past contract hours or not setting like professional boundaries for yourself. Um, and I've also learned to, you know, um, part of being the best teacher that I can be um, is also like setting professional boundaries for myself because my kids deserve a well-rested teacher. Um, if I'm stressing myself out and like, um, you know, uh, doing all this extra stuff where I'm not taking care of myself, then that's going to impact um, my children because then I'm not like fully present with them as much as I could be if I was able to take care of myself better. Um, so I learned to be okay with like, you know what, if I need to submit lesson plans late, I need to submit lesson plans late. Not that I'm encouraging doing that, but like if something happens to where like, okay, you know what, like I wasn't able to get it done. Um, I'll do it when I can the next day. Like that's fine. Or um, just kind of like being realistic, like, okay, like, if I'm not able to grade everything, okay, like, let me pick the things that are really important to grade. Um, so just kind of, like, learning how to work smarter, not harder kind of thing. Um, that way I can, like, be fully present for my students, and that's what matters. Um, and then I also learned to be, like, more gracious with myself because I find that, like, um, I'm super, like, hard on myself. Not super. Not, like, I am very hard on myself. Like, that's <laughs> thing, right? That sounds like happening. someone with an addiction. No, no, no. It's just a slighted yeah. nod. You got to admit yes. it. Full point. Like, yes, I am hard on myself and yes. working on it. I feel <laughs> um, that. Because uh, not going to sugarcoat at all. But that was something I think last year, like, whenever I would make a mistake in the classroom or with a parent or with a student, um, I was, like, almost unreasonably hard on myself for it. Um, and it was to the point where um, one of my, my principal was my direct supervisor at the time. And she literally thought, she was a wonderful human being. I love her. She sat me down and she was like, listen, she was like, you need to give yourself grace because A, you're a human, right? Like naturally you're going to make mistakes if that happens. Um, and then B, like you're growing more than you're giving yourself credit for. And the only way that you grow is through making mistakes, right? So she's like, it's unrealistic um, to expect yourself to be operating like a 15 year veteran teacher when you're in your first year like that's just not realistic um so those are just some things that I learned I think in my first year and then now I find that once I've had those things like sink in and settle in um this year I'm even much more effective now that I'm giving myself grace and strategically planning things and recognizing like if I'm not able to get everything done in the time frame in which I wanted to get done you know what it happens like it's gonna get done anyway um so those are just some things that I learned in my first year. And like, there's still things I'm learning even now, um, especially like teaching like during COVID because I feel like those things are like magnified because of just the nature of like the world right now. Um, so yeah, definitely like looking back at myself a year ago at this time, I was like, girl, you're learning a lot. Soak it on. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and you make a fair point on that too. It's I think especially because especially we're we're heading into our mid twenties and also just being in your twenties in general is just we put so much pressure on ourselves because like oh we need to we need to be this at this age and accomplish this at this age and then then we'll be respected then we'll love ourselves then we'll look in the mirror and go okay I have succeeded. In reality, it's like no, you need to 
you know, chill down, go down a couple of notches um, and take it day by day, um, which I actually perfectly answered the next question I was going to ask is, you know, you know, what are life lessons you picked up? And it, I think essentially that overall is just uh, learning to not be hard on yourself. It, and it's easier said than done, right? With anything, right? It's, and by being less hard on yourself, like you mentioned, and as well, like from many advices from other podcasts and other forms of media, it's just, you know, enjoying the small things in life and being kind to your, kinder to yourself, you know, going step by step and, you know, just telling yourself, hey, it's okay you didn't accomplish this. It's okay that you didn't finish it by this time. You did it and you tried and that's what really matters. And I think when you learn that and are saying those kind of uh, words of affirmation to yourself, the more we can work harder, then the more we can keep going, right? You know, our, our, our body is like a grandfather clock. You know, if one thing's off, mm -hmm. the whole clock is off. But, you know, once you take care of those gears, you take them out, you clean them, you dust it, and then you gently put them back in and just rewire it, things get better. So I, I fully agree with that as well. And hopefully for our listeners too, it's just, you know, but by being in order, I think to be an efficient worker is, again, to be less hard on yourself because, you know, the more you, you are harder and you push on yourself, in reality, you're actually not going to accomplish stuff. You're actually going to make it harder for yourself rather just taking things step by step and just being like, hey, I'm going to do what I can. It is what it is. And I will keep going. And that's OK. And that's what really matters. So I love that. Thank you very much. And you dive into our last one. Hey, we're doing great here. Look at you being efficient. Woo! Look at you. And we're perfect on time too. Right there. This yeah. is gonna and we're gonna have to rejoin again at 10. Oh no. Okay, we got this. We got this. All right. So for last one, and I think you can do this quickly. Um, what are some advice you would give to someone who is interested in pursuing in the career of teaching? You know, if you talk could talk to yourself a year ago ago or yourself like freshman to sophomore year of college, you know, what advice you would give? Okay, so I kind of have two different pieces of, pieces of advice. So the piece of advice for myself just as a teacher in general that I think is applicable to not specifically teaching music, just being a teacher, is um, give yourself credit and just own the fact that you know what you're doing. Um, within reason, obviously, not saying that you will never have room to grow because uh, you will always have room to grow, but at the same time, like, you got into your program and then by the end of your program, you will have graduated from your program and you do have things to offer. Um, I think it was definitely really difficult towards the end of my time at CCNJ and then starting my career after stepping into spaces. So for example, like I am the second youngest teacher at my school. There's one teacher who's a year younger than I am and the rest are older than me by at least 10 years. So uh, it was definitely intimidating, like, stepping to the space, especially when being asked to give my opinion on things, feeling as though I don't have a lot to offer when I do. Like, I didn't graduate from college for no reason. You know, so just own the fact that you do have stuff to offer professionally. In terms of teaching music, a piece of advice that, would, that I would give myself or remind myself is to always be checking in with yourself and reminding, of, reminding yourself of why you started doing this in the first place. Um, especially during coronavirus where, um, you know, I'm not able to actually literally play with my kids or play at all because performing arts just in general, not even just teaching is like on its head right now. So always be reminding yourself of like, okay, like music means so much to people. It means so much to me. It means so much to my kids. And 
any way that we're able to do that right now is a blessing. So, you know, always be checking in with yourself to remind yourself of why you're doing this anyway. Like, why are you doing this when it gets hard? So those are probably two pieces of advice that I would give myself to uh, give yourself credit that you do have things to offer professionally and always remind yourself of why you're doing this. So, yeah. That's but great. I remind myself of those things. <laughs> No, it's great. I love that. That and that hit that home, you know. Just sometimes sit with yourself and go, right? Okay, do I like doing this? Am I? Is this, does this motivate me? And that's great. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Any last words, Amani? <laughs> Any final thoughts? Um, we're going to go straight into the rapid fire questions and see if we can okay. knock these out before time is up and if not we'll just rejoin and <laughs> see how that goes it's a good thing it's rapid fire huh yep yeah right, All right. Seriously. <laughs> so without further ado coffee or tea oh coffee obviously <laughs> <laughs> favorite form of self-core uh, damn it <laughs> favorite <laughs> i can't speak apparently <laughs> all right favorite form of self-care binge watching random youtube videos because yolo <laughs> yes yes i was inspired by this podcast called pretty basic to ask this question so what is one thing that made you smile today um, i had chipotle for lunch and it was actually it it laughed it was really good <laughs> that sounds amazing all right andrea favorite musical composer Ooh, um, Ralph Vaughn Williams. He is awesome. Definitely check him out. Alrighty. Favorite violinist? He's so hard. Uh, probably uh, Rachel Byrne Pine. I love her. She's great. Great. And then lastly, since we spoke about food, what is your favorite comfort food? Uh, favorite comfort food? Um... Okay, so they're called arepas, and they're basically like, um, it's a Venezuelan food, it's also Colombian. They're like little cornmeal sandwiches, I guess, is the best way I can describe them. And they're like round, and you can like cut them in half and put like cheese or meat or whatever in them, and they're really good. So, probably those. <laughs> oh, delicioso. Mm, <laughs> yep. All right. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod tonight. And you can follow Lorena on. Okay, so you can follow Lorena on Instagram at Lyrical Lorena. So that's at L-Y-R-I-C-A-L-L-O-R-E-N-A. Hopefully I got that right. Yeah, that was right. Okay, perfect. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's segment on Raise Your Words. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're tuning in from. You can follow us on Instagram at Raise Your Words Pod. Once again at raise your words pod stay tuned for more see you guys bye all right so i'm going to actually end the recording and